We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. Turn with me, if you would, to James chapter 4. James chapter 4. Listen, as a pastor, I love to hear encouraging words from you. And the body needs to hear encouraging words from you. Sometimes it's good for the body to just pat itself on the back, knowing that the body has a head named Jesus. And we're all fitly joined together. Members different, body one. Sometimes it's just good for us to do that. Matter of fact, the early church didn't do it like we do, and that doesn't mean they were right or wrong or we're right or wrong. It's just they understood the power of speaking Jesus. The power of speaking Jesus. James chapter 4. Let's begin with verse 1. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lusts that war in your members? Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have, and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. No, our church is not in a fight. Not with itself. Let's keep going. Ye ask and receive not, because notice where this is at. Because this verse is taken out of context quite a bit. Notice where this verse in context where it's at. It's talking about how there's fights and wars and going on. You ask and you receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your own lust. You adulterers and adulteresses, know you not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. Woo! I can't even be a friend with the world. Man, that struck me when I was stating this. I can't even be a friend with the world. We're not talking about people. Do you think that the Scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? Let me just put that in our words. Do you not understand what the Scripture is saying? That God has a lust for our spirit, and we should have a lust for His? Not all lusts are wrong or bad. God lusts for us, and we should lust for Him. But He giveth more grace, wherefore He saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be, a, be afflicted, and mourn, and weep. Let your do- laughter be turned to mourning, your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of God or in the sight of the Lord, and He shall lift you up. Humble yourselves. He shall lift you up. World War II was finished. Done. On the battleship Missouri, General Douglas MacArthur said these words, Today, the guns are silent. The skies no longer rain death. The seas bear only commerce. Men everywhere walk upright in the sunlight. The entire world is quietly at peace. World War II cost over 60 million lives. 60 million lives and an estimated $1 trillion in damage. And it came only one generation after World War I where Woodrow Wilson said that World War I would be the war to end all wars. Only one generation later. Since World War II, the U.S. has had Korea, Vietnam, 
Iraq twice, and in other limited wars that we've engaged in, political assassinations, per, person, person revolts, people revolts, rebellions, social revolutions. And over the 3,100 years of recorded world history, the world has been at peace only 8% of the time. That would be 286 years out of 3,100 years has the world even been at peace. Over 8,000 treaties have been made and broken in that time. During this period, there have been 14,531 wars, both large and small, in which 3,640,000,000 people have died. That's a lot of people. The statue of Jesus Christ resting on the Andes Mountains between Argentina and Chile stands as a symbol. It's a pledge between the two countries, the two nations, that they would remain at peace. But shortly after it was erected, the Chileans protested because the statue was actually facing Argentina and the Argentinians, and its back was to the Chileans, and they felt slighted. The tempers were flaring, and they were about to get into a battle and a fight over it when a newspaper writer from Chile saved the day. He wrote, the statue of Christ faces Argentina because the people of Argentina need more watching over than the people of Chile. Verse 2 says this, Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have, and cannot obtain. Ye lust and have not. This, this just is so much about what war has been about. The lust, but they don't ever get it. Kill and desire, they can never obtain it. Fight the war, yet they have not. Because they're going the wrong. Are we fighting the wrong fights? That's what I'm asking you today. As Christians, we are in a very real fight. A very real war. A fight against God's enemy, Satan. You are not fighting people. God is not fighting people. But it's the enemy, Satan, who we're fighting. And he's going to use any and every strategy possible to win one strategy he often uses is in to incite the children of God to fight and war with one another. Think about this in World War II. Many nations fighting. So you had some nations fighting that were pro-communistic and others that were pro-democratic, just in a general sense. So all the pro-communistic were all heathens and all the pro-democratics were Christians. No. Understand something. In every nation, there have been Christians. Even when we had war with the allies and the Axis fighting each other, there were Christians in every single nation. And that ought not be so, that we war one another. There ought to be Christians in every nation, but we ought to not be warring with one another. The, the French playwright Dumas once had this heated argument with a politician and it became so intense that this duel was inevitable. So because they were both very superb shots with pistols, they decided to draw lots, and then wh whoever uh, lost would just agree to shoot themselves. Dumas lost. So with a pistol in his hand, he went to another room. He closes the door. The rest of the people are just waiting outside the room in suspense to hear the 
shot that's going to end Dumas' life. Pow! It rang out. They immediately ran to the door and opened the door, and there stood Dumas with a smoking pistol. Gentlemen, he said, a most regrettable thing has happened. I missed. If Christians are fighting Christians, that should raise a red flag. That, that, that is a design of our enemy. James says our own desires lead to conflict. You understand the devil can't make us do it. What he does is he reaches into our desires, tempts us in our desires, and then he brings conflict through us. He's not the causer of conflict. He's the tempter of conflict. Don't give him any more than he has. Don't give him any more power and right than he has. He's the tempter of conflict. And what happens is we fall for it. That ought not be so. There ought not be wars between Christians. There ought not be wars between countries. But it's all because of what we just read, how the tempter reaches into the lives of people, tempts conflict, and man, we, get, we take it hook, line, and sinker. Motives are self-indulgent. Desires are to possess and to take. And there are certain self-sufficiencies about our efforts. We do these things as humans because we choose not to depend on God. We want more, so we go to war. We want, why do you think, Adolf, what do you think Hitler was after? More. More. He wanted control over the whole world. More. There was somebody that's really big in our economic system. And in his book, he wrote this. And this man was a multi-billionaire. Why do you get up and go to work? And he said, for one more dollar. You understand not all wars are fought with guns. Not all. You understand economically right now, you're in a war here in America. If you don't understand that, man, oh man, you're in trouble. There's an economic war going on in here in America. It's a fight. The thing is, we rely so much on self-sufficiency that we leave God out of it. And therefore, we find this group of Christians fighting this group of Christians, fighting this group of Christians, battling that group of Christians. We expect that from people who are not Christians. You expect that. We shouldn't be having that in Christianity. We don't ask Him for what we need, but when we finally do get around to asking Him for what we need after we've traversed the whole area and done the whole thing, and... When we do, we get around, we ask Him, we don't receive it, the Scripture says. Why? Because our motives are wrong. When you ask amiss, that means you're asking with the improper motive. God, I need to pay my bills. Now, there's a good motive behind that, right? There's a good motive behind that. Because if you accumulated a bill, you're supposed to pay the bill. (laughs) That's Christian 101, by the way. We, we're supposed to do that. Understand something. We as Christians live on a higher plane. We should live on a higher plane. We should be at a higher plane. Not to demean anybody, but to understand that our God is on a higher plane. Fifteen years ago, 
the dominant value of college freshmen were to find the meaning and philosophy of life. That was the number one answer when, why are you going to college? To find the meaning and the philosophy of life. You know, you expect that out of college freshmen, right? That's, today, that's number eight on the list. Do you know what number one on the list is? To be financially well off. The number one reason that people go to college today is to be financially well off. To have it all. To have it all. That's what they said. In her show, actress and comedian Lily Tomlin, some of you have no idea who that is. And the rest of us old folks do. Lily Tomlin said, if I had known what it was like to have it all, I would have settled for less. Because having it all means nothing if you don't have Him. Having it all means nothing if you don't have Him. James tells us in verse 4 that we become the enemy of God because our priorities... You ever thought of yourself as the enemy of God? Know ye not that the friendship of the world is an enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Now that's pretty straightforward. Now understand, this is James. He's the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. He is the half-brother of Jesus Christ. So he's pretty connected. And he said, listen, I want you to understand something. If you've hooked up with the world, you ain't hooking up with Jesus. If you're hooking up with Jesus, you ain't hooking up with the world. You can't do both. We have a choice, friendship with the world, friendship with Jesus. In America, and I speak about America because I'm an American, we fight so hard to get to the top of this world, don't we? We battle so hard to get to the top of our profession, at the top of our sport, at the top of our neighborhood, at the top of our family. At the, we struggle and fight and fight and fight to get to the top. Why? Because we have befriended something that has no, no, no ever reckoning of letting you get to the top. You understand you'll never get to the top in the world. It will never, ever happen. But you can get to the top in God. Mark Twain was lecturing in Utah and he got into a debate with a Mormon over polygamy, polygamy and the Mormon was angry. He shouted, show me in the Bible, one place in the Bible where it says that polygamy is wrong. And Mark Twain's response was, Jesus said no man can serve two masters. Wait, stop. Yeah, some of you wives are getting mad at me. Any mother-in-laws in the house? Now you're really about to get mad at me because Mark Twain's response was the penalty of polygamy is two mother-in-laws. You can't serve two masters. We all know who the masters are. Our priority is to follow God, to serve only one master. If we befriend the world, we assign ourselves as enemy of God. If, we, if I befriend this world, I assign myself as an enemy of God. I make that choice. That's not something God said you have to do, or it's something you choose to do. If your life revolves around your own desires, your own self-image, man, if we're self-image. Any of you ever seen The Matrix? 
No? Okay. Well, then I won't even talk about it. it talks about a digital self-image. We all have a self-image. We see ourselves a certain way. Others see, our, see us as a certain way. And then God sees us as we really are. So understand something. There's a self-image that we have to look at. And if we don't look at it through God's eyes, then we're going to make a mistake. Listen, we're not indifferent acquaintances with the world. We're, here's one of the problems that's happening in the church world in America. We have become not enemies of the world. We, we're indifferent acquaintances. Well, we, we just don't agree with that. And, well, that, that's okay, but, but no, no, we, we won't draw the line. Well, no, we, I'm sorry, we moved that line 20 years ago, so now we can step over that line. This used to be unacceptable in church, but now it's acceptable. God used to say this was wrong, but now we're telling God it's okay. I'm not talking about what's going on out there. I'm talking about what's going on in the church. We have to understand something. We are here to affect the world, not for the world to affect us. The church is the strongest, not should be, if there's only one of us in this building today that's in the church and the rest of us are lost, you're still in the strongest thing that exists. You are the strongest person in the room. The strongest thing that exists in this world is the church because the church is Holy Ghost-filled, God-filled, Jesus Christ-filled people. That's what the church is. And that we should understand that we, that's the reason we have no connection with the world. Do we have to live in this world? The Scripture says we do. But we don't have to be of it. We don't have to adhere to its sayings. One of the things that I disdain the most is people who will complain about a president. Complain. I don't care if it's, if it's Bush, Obama, Trump, Reagan. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who it is. Democrat, Republican, it doesn't matter. Complain about leadership, but never go to a voting booth. Can I say it the way we used to say it in East Texas, and y'all just forgive me? If you don't vote, shut your mouth. It's that simple. Don't complain if you're part of the problem if you're not voting. Okay, the political part's over. We're not. We don't. Listen, the reason that the church is having to befriend the world in America is that the world has taken over America. The world has taken over America. What's happened, church? We should be the one that's taken over America. That should be the church of the living God that's taking over America. Well, we can't do that because, yes, you can. Greater is he that's in me than he that is in the... Oh, my goodness. There's nothing in this world that can stop you and I from taking this country back. There's nothing except ourselves. We make a choice. Are we fighting the wrong fight? Are we fighting the wrong fight? James quotes Proverbs 3 and 34 in verse 6. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. There, there was a New England pastor. Was Boy, I've got a lot of stories today, don't I? New England pastor was talking with a rabbi, and a New England pastor was just really beating his chest. And one of my ancestors signed the Declaration of Independence. 
the rabbi stopped for a second, and he, he didn't really give the guy any. He said, well, one of my ancestors actually signed the Ten Commandments. You know, we're, America is so full of itself. People of America, we're so full of ourselves. I heard people this week, and I know some of you are going to get mad at me about this, and I get it, and love me anyway, and pray for me, and ask God to forgive me, and ask God to help me, but, you know, and, and I know you're not going to like this, but I heard people this week saying, you know what, I can't wait till Thursday night, I'm going to get my fix, the NFL's back on. Now, pray for me, Brian, because I hope the NFL folds. Pray for me. I hope the NBA folds. I hope Major League Baseball folds. You know why? They're worldly institutions that have drawn Christians away from what should be. Now, is there anything wrong with football? No. Anything wrong with baseball? No. Anything wrong with basketball? No. When, it makes it, when it's your God, when it's your fix? Yeah. Man, if a sport's your fix, you've got a problem. I'm just going to tell you right up front. I was a drunk, but I don't have, I, that, you know, I got over that. You ain't got over it yet. You still fixed on sport? I tell you, boy, you ought to see the guys' faces. Y'all, ladies, you ought to see your husband's faces. Woo! Y'all left hockey out because leave hockey alone. Don't. We got to have all kind of fixes in America to feel good about ourselves. After all, I could be Dak Prescott. I just put myself in number four and get behind the center. And the whole game, I'm pretending I'm Dak. That's what, no, you don't do that, but that's what you're doing. That's what you're doing. You know why you see those dads and moms at Little League games screaming, come on, hit it. You're the strikeout king. Come on. You know why they're doing that? They're living their life through their kid. They need a fix. And watch what happens if their kid actually hits the ball. You think Jesus is coming. Unbelievable. Where have we gone as a nation? This world, our guys got us so twisted around into thinking what is good and wholesome and right and what we ought to be applauding. And, and you know what NFL stands for, right? Somebody, please. National Football League? Incorrect. It's the National Felon League. There are a number of felons that play that sport. Boy, I knew some of y'all were. Boy, now I'm really getting it. Come on, smile, Jason. I can use Jason because he and I think a lot alike. There are a lot of felons. You know what a felon is, right? They've committed a felony. The charge has been produced, and, and, and they were convicted convicted felons but that's our stars don't ever talk about somebody that beats their wife in an elevator after all that's our quarterback well okay all right guys i'm gonna get off of it because some of you are giving me that i'm not going there i'm going to heaven but you're giving me that look humility is in such lack in this society Humility. Listen, the world thinks humility is this passive being humiliated, but that's not what humility means at all. Humility in Scripture simply means you understand you need God. That's what the word humility means. You need God. Humble yourselves. Understand. Verse 7. 
I'm going to submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Acknowledge that God's ways are right and give him control over it. Acknowledge. That's when you re- Listen, when you submit yourself to God, you are acknowledging to God, hey, you know what, God, you've got this because I sure don't. Any of you think you got it? You, you think you're in pretty good control of your life? Yeah, here comes the bus. You know that light at the end of the tunnel? That's the train coming. Don't think you got it. God's got it. Resist the devil. It doesn't say curse the devil. It doesn't say cast out the devil. It doesn't say stomp the devil. You remember all that, Jesse? Yeah, we, we have. It just says to resist. One of the hardest things for me to resist is bluebell. But I have resisted it for what, probably now, six months? Pretty good, huh? Acknowledge that His way is right. Give Him control. Quit trying to run your own life. When you try to run your own life, you're fighting the wrong fight. You're fighting the wrong fight. Put God in charge. Let Him settle any conflict. God will settle any conflict, any war, any battle in your life. He'll settle it for you. I let the Lord fight my battles. Listen, you can't, you can't follow Jesus without obeying Him. Well, I'm going to mess some of you up here. You can't be a follower of Jesus Christ if you don't obey Him. That, that's uh, an oxymoron. You, you, if you obey Him, you're following Him. If you're not obeying Him, you're not following Him. It's that simple. If you're still trying to run your own life, you're just going to be miserable, frustrated, unhappy, and worst of all, defeated. You're not going to win that battle. The devil is God's enemy. Resist God's enemy. Resist his philosophy. You know, some, you remember from the old church, I'm about done. It's not even noon yet. I'm about done. You remember the old church said, you know, the, you, go on, get the devil up here and put, get him, sit him down on the front chair and just give him the what for. None of y'all know. Well, I've been in a service like that. And I'm sure the devil was off somewhere else and didn't have any clue where Spring Tabernacle was. The devil's not at all places at all times. He's singular. Resist the philosophy that Satan has tried to push on humanity. Satan has a philosophy that he's pushed on humanity to be self-sufficient, self-indulgent, self, 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 self. That's all the devil wants you to do is be about yourself. He don't care how you do it. He doesn't care a bit how you are about yourself as long as you're about yourself. Because even if, he, if, he, if he's got that going for you, then he's got you messed up. He's got you on the, wrong, on the wrong road. Resist what he wants you to do. Resist his standards. You know the devil has standards? Who would have believed that? The devil has standards. Oh, come on. Y- y'all, y'all lived them too. I don't care if you were born in the church. You live some devil standards. devil has standards. It's called sin. That's his standards. That's how he operates. That's what he operates under. That's what he coaxes you to do. Resist those standards. He's trying to destroy you. The devil's trying to destroy you. And listen, if you don't care and you've got children, at least care for them. Care that he's trying to destroy them. He wants to 
He wants you to be involved in the wrong fight. He wants to sidetrack you in this little fight over here and get mad at brothers. Some of you got sidetracked today. The NFL and NBA and y'all got sidetracked, I can tell. Get back in the fight. You're fighting the wrong fight. Sadly, many Christians don't even recognize the devil when he shows up. You don't even recognize the devil when he shows up. They're looking for some guy in a red suit, horns, and pointed tail on a pitchfork. He hasn't shown up yet, so I'm safe. He shows up in ways you never expect. He's a deceiver. Watch for him. Resist him. Don't get involved in the wrong fight. It's not enough to accept God's will and reject God's enemy, though. That's how some of us are living our Christian life. We're just going to accept God and reject the devil. That's not enough. That's only part of it. You have to actively pursue a living relationship with a living God. See, many people are pursuing a dead relationship with a dead God. Because if you pursue a relationship with a living God, it's a living relationship. Otherwise, it's not one. A living relationship with a living God. Focus on the things that build that relationship. Prayer, Bible study, worship, serving, all those. That seems so elementary, doesn't it? Prayer, Bible study. Don't y'all get tired of the pastor? Come on, y'all, let's pray. Come on, y'all, let's study the Word. Come on, y'all, let's... You kind of get tired of the over and over and over. Some of you are going like this. Some of you are going like, I'm not going to commit. So you decide, pastor, if it's yes or no. It all seems elementary, but when you feel you've moved beyond prayer and beyond Bible study and beyond serving and beyond worship, when you feel you've graduated above that, you have made a very grave mistake. Those are the very foundations. They're the fundamentals. When a golfer's swing goes bad, when a baseball player is not hitting the ball or fielding the ball correctly, when a basketball player can't make its shot, do you know what they all go back to? Yep. They go back to what got them there, the fundamentals. As Christians, if we listen, if a player... Do you know most players that are good at their sport? They're good at their sport because they never leave the fundamental. They work on their fundamental every day. They think about the fundamental every day. And they keep practice on the fundamental every day. They become superstar. That's what a superstar is. Someone that has maintained fundamentals. They're not somebody that has this prowess. They're simply somebody that maintained their fundamentals. And as Christians, we should be maintaining our fundamentals. Maintaining prayer. Bible study, worship, service. Those are the things that got us here. And they'll carry us through. And again, that's where humility comes in. Lord, you ever told the Lord you needed help? Sure, hopefully you have. That's humility. God, I need you. I need you. Let me ask you a question this morning in closing. Is there an unnecessary conflict in your life? Do you have a family member, a friend, a job person, somebody you work with, a fellow employee that you're in conflict with, you understand you're fighting the wrong battle. You're fighting the wrong fight. We just don't get along because he or she or this, you're just fighting the wrong fight. You can get along. I won't tell the story of me and Troy, but I can tell you this. If he showed up here today, I would hug his neck big time. We didn't get along before, but I'd hug his neck big time. You know what? Because I learned I was fighting the wrong fight. 
fighting the wrong fight. What's causing us to fight the wrong fight? Well, a lot of it is that we're just demanding the rights that we have. Now, I'm going to not get political here, but I'm going to mess some of you up. When you became a Christian, you're righteous of America and take second place. When you became a Christian, your rights as an American became second place. You have the rights of a Christian, which go way above, but don't ever try to interject your right as an American into your rights as a Christian. That's another problem going on in our world today. Don't ever try to interject your rights as an American into your rights as a Christian. As a matter of fact, if you want to know the honest biblical truth, when you became your, a Christian, you gave up your rights as an American. That's the honest biblical truth. You gave up your rights. That doesn't mean that you can't vote. You can vote. That doesn't, but you have to understand something. What we have in God is way above what we have in this country. Now, listen, I'm, I'm true blue American. Love this country. But, I, but we have to understand something. Any law, anything that goes on within this country that tries to supersede God's law or change God's law, we're not in obedience to it. I'm not a radical. I'm just a Christian. We're not in obedience to that. But the Bible says too, we're supposed to honor. Yes, exactly. When it doesn't cross the boundary of God's law. When it doesn't cross that boundary. But a lot of times we get into foolish fights because we're demanding our rights. If I had, I had a, several people from different scopes and areas that basically told me the same thing. I'm not giving up my right to go to church. I don't care what they say. Well, when's the last time you went to church? About six years ago, but that's not important. Mm-hmm. And, and let me just throw another one. I'll get off of this, and then some of you are going to. Maybe I should have been sick today instead of last week. I'll move on. Fighting with people over things that are not even eternal. My goodness. If it's an eternal fight, okay. If it's about eternity, let's fight. But if it's not about eternity, you're in the wrong fight. Give it up. Have you lost your focus? You're in the wrong fight. The Lord is here to set you back on the path today, to get you back in the right, because you're in a fight. Make no mistake, you're in a war, you're in a fight. But He's here to get you back on the path, because when you get back on the path, He's fighting the battle. You're not out there throwing, like Paul said, just throwing at the wind. I used to get, boy... Back in the old days, I used to enjoy fighting with people that were a lot bigger than me. Because here's the deal. If the bigger guy beats you, he should have. Right? If the, yeah, yeah, the big guy beat But if you beat the big guy up, oh. And so if I was in a place where I shouldn't be, and I decided it was time for that, I would look for the biggest guy. And let's go. Let's go. The fun thing about fight, boy, Jason's giving me the eye. The fun thing about a big guy is if you can duck and move and weave for about a minute, he's done. He's swinging at the air. And they get slower. And they get. And before you know it, he can't hold his hand. And guess what? 
Pastor Don went for the nose. The most revealing part of a body. Bled everywhere. Black the eyes. Yeah, that was the old days. <laughs> Thank God for the old days. But understand something. We can't be as one that's beating the air. We can't be in this fight with God and as beating. The, let's let him fight the fight. Quit beating the air. Stand with me if you would. We've got to concentrate our efforts. Listen, when, when, you, when you're battling at home and fighting at home, you can't win the war abroad. Does that make sense? Had America been in a civil war when the, when the Second World War happened, there would have been a lot of nations, including our own, that would have been in trouble. If we had been in civil war at the time that World War II started, because we would have been a nation fighting within itself. And as, as the nation of God, we cannot be fighting within ourselves. We cannot be battling within ourselves. There's so much foolish conflict in the church. Just need, needless, meaningless it's not eternal. Sometimes it's where you sit in my chair. I sit there every week. And you got, I told you about the church split that I saw happen. Our little old church. We had probably 60 or 65 in the church. And the same ladies sit in the same places every week. Well, visitors showed up. Don't worry. Y'all are not sitting in anybody's. <laughs> Scott and Christy are looking at me like, oh, Lord. <laughs> but that... The, the ladies walked up and the people were sitting down and the ladies just walked up and stood and just looked at them. Didn't say hello. God bless you. Thank you for coming. Then they both just kind of shook their head and walked out of the church. So they came back the next week and somebody else was sitting in their, one of them's chair. So one of them decided to sit down in their chair and the other one went to the back. And the other one got in a crawl that, you know what? Wait a minute. You, you sit in my chair. You come back here, and I'm sitting up there. Within three weeks, count them, the church had split. Because the war and the fight was about meaningless. One side with well, a group of this one, sided with this lady. And a group of this one, sided with this lady. And the pastor was like, ho, oh, ha, ha. That's meaningless. And we shouldn't have that kind of stuff. Does, did Pastor Don say something today to rub you wrong? Everybody say amen. Yeah, because I rubbed you wrong. I get that. But don't fight me over it. Forgive me and pray for me. And let's do that with one another. Because if we're warring, if we have a civil war within ourselves, we're never going to win the battle abroad. Our enemy has us. Any conflicts today? I'm going to open these altars. If, any conflicts in your life? Anything? Family? Job? Church? If there's not any conflicts, that's fantastic. We should fill this altar with people praying for those that do have them. Because we're not the only people in the church. There are literally millions of people around this world in the church of the living God that need our prayer over the conflicts they're going through. It's not just about you and me, right? We, we know this at Tabernacle of Praise. It's just about, not about you and me. It's about all brothers and sisters from all areas of the world, from all places.
Pray for the conflict that's in your life. If it's not there, pray for the conflict that's in theirs. God, unify us as the church. Unify us as the church. For more information about Tabernacle of Praise, look us up online at tabernaclepraise.org. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with our Facebook page. We also have a free app that you can use to keep up with events or be notified of bad weather. And you can listen to our sermons directly from the app. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.